Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The following is a paid program. The views or claims made are not necessarily those of WILK staff, management, or sponsors. Time for Laurie and Lynn. Local talk to start your weekend right. And now, Laurie and Lynn on WILK. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Fine. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you very much. Good. On this lovely spring. Spring. Where am I going? Spring. Fall day. That's more like I really wish it was Uh spring. I get it. But fall day. And so I'm back. I wasn't here last week. Yes. And Miss... um, O'Hara did a nice job for you as we were talking about the election and all of the repercussions. Yeah, and you know, it's so weird because I still, is a week later, and you are still hearing so many under, like, not under, open conversations about what in the heck were people thinking you know what i mean like mm-hmm. what really and then all the stuff you're reading now with the firings and his son-in-law's firing what the heck is his son-in-law doing involved that that family could have nothing to do part now maybe it's part of the team. transition they can i don't know but that's ridiculous too and um but they can't be in the administration obviously but come on and they're firing two guys putting rudy giuliani who is ter- and i used to love that guy mm-hmm. as the mayor of munchkin city and the <laughs> county and the land of oz he i loved that guy Yes. And now he could be the mayor of Munchkin City, if you know what I mean. He's, I I really did. I thought he was fabulous. He's turned into like a mad, like a, he looks like a, 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 I don't know. He's, I can't even explain. His face looks like he's mean and nasty. He's like turned into somebody else. Uh, Well. I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's called the Trump effect. I don't know. (laughs) But he's weird looking now and acting bizarre and saying things bizarre. Yeah. And Secretary of State. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my word. But well, anyway, um, so it, but but women, so many women that you talk to who and then you then you hear the people. And here's what I my favorite line is. I'll listen to people and I'll sit next to, a, you know, someone who's who I'm loving, and I'll say, obviously, he voted for Trump. Obviously, she voted for Trump. Because you could tell by what they say that that's what they oh, did. Yes. Not that they're coming out and saying it, just and some of the nasty stuff that's being said in workplaces about other human beings that really shouldn't be discussed. People who don't know, people are of a different persuasion, and they, they say th- it's It's just ridiculous. And people are plain out scared. Yeah. Scared. Because of the hate. You know, it's just unbelievable. So, anyway, it's not ending anytime soon. Did you see him on 60 Minutes? No. Yeah, I did. The whole damn hour was dedicated to him and his family. And 
the first lady, new f the up the first lady elect. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I'm, I'm, spending you know more, I mean. I'm spending more time watching football games because that was the greater interest. <laughs> yeah, but there was no football game on, mind you. When? Usually, well, usually I noticed this. Usually on Sunday afternoon, there's a late game that 60 minutes is bumped into 7.30 opposed to 7 o'clock. Yes. And it was right on the money at 7 o'clock. There was no game ahead of it. Now, I don't know if well, it's just scheduling or no, what. because that, that Sunday night game is not on that channel the Sunday yes night. it is Lynn it's always postponed into CBS the that's why I'm saying see um, 60 minutes is always on a half hour to an hour later on a Sunday night during football season for the most part because I don't know maybe it was a because the football game is going on the four o'clock or four thirty game the one is that's running late yeah well I don't know is it running that late yeah the yes. late show yeah so yeah. nothing was in the there was no football game there Maybe it was on another channel this year, but it's all, this week. But it was—it's always on CBS. Okay. Because it's always pushed into the CBS the Sunday 60 minutes slot, mm -hmm. and then they come on late, mm -hmm. and they weren't, and he mm -hmm. was on the whole time. Well, there was a game this week, and they've been doing this now, where they start them at 9:30 in the morning our time, because they're playing them in London. And oh, other I, oh, maybe there was a problem so with that. Then it maybe. could have been that that. Why game, are they doing that? I have no idea, and I think it's totally ridiculous. I, I have no idea, none. It started last year. They did it as, in a, Ireland, as an exhibition. Yes, yeah. something like that. Or was and I said, well, why are we doing? I, I don't was know. That Penn State play. That was, that was and Penn the, State. Yeah. Play well, then Ireland. it moved down into the college thing. But it's been the pro teams that have been over there doing games on Sunday mornings, our time. I don't. Understand yeah, and they why. do. They put it on. I have no idea. Yeah, it's weird. Well, whatever. Most bizarre. Yeah. So, it is so, a nice, beautiful fall day. <laughs> yes, it is. And and what else is going on? I mean, in the last week, there's been a lot of things that you've been doing. Yes, and how about the gala, the Broadway Theater Gala? Yes. Was it wonderful or it, what? It was. It was a lot of fun. I can't tell you how long it's been since I have seen that group perform. The exact uh, change. The, yes, mm -hmm. and they, they have just continued to be as wonderful as they always have. And what I love is when the horn guys go out into the audience while yes. they're dancing and the yes. trombonist is like, and he's yep. pushing that whole thing. It was, um, and, and Tony Vergnetti, who just is hysterical, making his, sitting down right at your table with you singing and putting <laughs> the microphone here. He's, he is the best. I just love yeah, him. Yeah, good. Paul LaBelle. Uh -huh. He's one of my favorite people in this whole town. He is the kindest guy. He's so talented, and that group of, of musicians were wonderful. Mm -hmm. So we had a beautiful night, and of course, you know, of course the video was... Oh, know, the video was smashing. One of the best Let's guess things. who was the MC. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and the interviewer. So. Yeah, right. But uh, we okay. did have a really nice time. So congratulations to Greg and Megan Gagorik, who were the honorees of the Sam and Jane Callie Award, presented by attorney Brian J. Callie. Who, um, whose parents are the uh, Jane and Sam, and uh, but he did a very nice job um, as he does every year presenting that in his in the memory of his parents. So mm -hmm. we are very grateful for that. Where, where was his brother? I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Don't know. But Brian's there all the time, and and he gives that in their honor, and I think it's great. And they were very deserving. It's a lot of um, you know arts in the community, and let's face it. When we have the arts, we have a better place to be. Mm -hmm. So that was a good thing. Won't take that away because mm -hmm. that's the truth. And then, of course, I was painting the other night. 
Yeah, that's right. Tell mm-hmm. us about that. I love it. Well, Diane Baldy does a um, at, at Mansour's every once a week. But, excuse me, once, once a, a month. month. Hello, scratch that. Once a month. And you, she shows you a painting and how you're going to make it look like when you're finished. And you walk out with a canvas um, and, your, and your artwork. And I will tell you that it takes me, I love to do it because it is so relaxing. Even though I'm a perfectionist of how I want it to look, and it, there's a different level of perfectionism, craziness that comes out of me. It's much more calming. So I just love it. Painting is a beautiful thing. That's all I'm going to say. And I will show you my pumpkin that I made. It's beautiful. <laughs> the did not. Please take that oh, one stop off. It. No, I'm showing you the pumpkin I painted. How about that? Does that there we go. Bad? I just want to tell you that two weeks ago when you were talking to me about the jackets and you said somebody had a puffer jacket. Oh, yeah, and that's yes. true. That's what they call them. I know, and I didn't, I thought you were really. No. And then I saw an ad yes. the following weekend uh, for Boscovs, and they called them puffer jackets, and I, I'm sitting there hysterically yeah, laughing. thinking I'm just and making Patrick up. said, what are you laughing lines. at? I said, I can't even begin to explain Go, it. Don't tell him. No. That's all you need. It. <laughs> no. But that was funny. Yes. So, all right, your pumpkin. Yes, I will yeah. show you. It really did okay. come. It really was, I was very happy. There was a nice group of people, and everybody's pumpkins turned out to be That's very good. pretty. But there's just such peace there. So I just well, to do I, it. Well, I told you, I did that once with um, our friend Catherine Scloven has yeah, which a she place. Does, yeah, which we've gone to many Spirited times. Spirited art. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. Were you with me when we did the one with the little girl with the umbrella? No, I was not. Okay. And I would love that one, but no. Well, I did that, and I found it to be very frustrating. No. And the reason I found it to be frustrating was because the person at the front of the room was trying to explain how to do it. So that there, I felt like I was doing paint by numbers. Oh. Because there was no creativity in it. There mm-hmm. was, you had to do it the way they were trying to explain to you how to do it. Yeah, well. So for me, that experience that's is That's only not the way okay. your mind works because well, that's, that's just right. the way you process something because they do have to show you how the best way to execute the drawing is in certain a certain way and they're going to show you that. And it really is, if you can follow that, see, you're, because you're, anti-establishment you're not going to pay no. attention to that I, when i do any artwork it's all free form yeah and you can't do that you're like ja- jackson pollock you just go like this that's it i just throw picture. it on there and somehow it yeah. looks great mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was <laughs> and i do have to say this too lynn which will happen this weekend um actually the day you're listening to us is and i didn't bring it up last week because um i just didn't want to talk about it but my uncle jerry sheridan who is my great uncle um, my grandmother, my mother's mother's youngest brother of 10, 10 children, and they he passed away last Thursday afternoon, and he was 93 years old, Thursday morning, and he lived for the last little over a year with his daughter, Maureen McKeefer, in um, Plano, Texas, and he is, um, his funerals, when you're listening to us, will be today, and it's, he was one of the kindest, most wonderful men I've ever met. He lived with us. He came. He had a heart. He had open heart surgery years and years ago, and he came back to my mom's house with my grandmother and my dad. 
who my mom was helping him sort of convalesce. So he was in there, he was at the house, and then he just he asked my mother and father at one point, he said, Ann and Jim, I was wondering, could I stay here permanently? And of course they said, of course you can. And he's lived with them for 20 some years before he moved. Um, well, my grandma died, my dad passed away. And so he and my mom had been together for the last several years. And then he moved went in with his sister about 16 months ago. His and sister or his daughter? His daughter, excuse yeah. me. And he was like, you know, he was through all of my children, you know, the whole time my children that were born and raised and, and, and changing them and babysitting them and all of the funky things and the wonderful things you do as a grandparent. My uncle was like that to, to me and to my children. He was like my great uncle, but he was more like a grandpa because mm-hmm. he was only a couple years difference than my Nana. And it was a wonderful, wonderful intergenerational experience for all of us to have that man as part of our life and just the things he said and my I'm going to say this quick story my sister went to visit him with one of my nephews Seamus um, last the weekend before because they knew the end was near and so she wanted to see him so she flew down to Texas for the weekend and one of my fa- uncle Jerry's favorite lines to us as growing up he used to say to us Lar is Mickey Mouse a cat or a dog <laughs> And we would think he's little kids, you know, and people still do. Isn't he? Isn't he a, a dog? Like, but you don't know the, the answers people, people come up with. So my sister said to him, on her way out the door, she kissed him goodbye. And she said, Uncle Jerry, I just have one question for you. He's like, what's that, Babs? She said, is Mickey Mouse a cat or a dog? And he put his finger up to his lip like, mm. he goes, Babs, I think it's I think he's a squirrel. <laughs> so he still had his humor about him, you know, and That's the great. day before he died. I mean, he was just so I just want to say publicly, it is amazing when you have that experience always be good to you know your elders and to and listen to them and and keep talking about what they said and did and and let it spill down into the next generation because Mm -hmm. they're so wise and they are loaded with such wonderful things you just never they never leave you if you keep their little sayings going and he had sayings about everything as my as Jim Cadden did so it's just a good thing so we love you Uncle Jerry Sheridan and we miss you and thank you for your wonderful wonderful love and that's what I'm going to say. And we're going to take a very quick break. You're listening this morning to Laurie and Lynn Show. We'll be right back. Here's Laurie and Lynn. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. How are you? <laughs> Wonderful. How are you? I'm fine. My name is Lynn Evans. I'm the president and CEO of Northeastern Financial Consultants. We're a fee-only financial planning firm in Clark Summit. And I'm also the author of a book called Power of the Purse, Fear-Free Finances for Baby Boomer Women, available on Amazon.com. Thank you. And I'm Laurie Cadden, the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business. And we are here with the lovely, as I called, what did I say the other day about Mary Jo Prino on the show? I said, she's big wig. And yeah, and he's, I said, really, now. what's your title? She's like, vice president of a big wig. It's just so much better. <laughs> so what do we call Nicole, the grand we, uh, poobah, uh, the we queen call of the big cheese. The big cheese. The big cheese. Or Everything. in French, le grand fromage. Oh, I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or savoir fails everywhere. Oh, but anyway, <laughs> Nicole DeNova, who is the wonder, the powerhouse behind VREC, our good friends in Clark Summit or Veterinary Referral and Emergency 
center. Nice job. I didn't You're know. See? No, you didn't. That's why I said it for you, because <laughs> she would you. say voluntary or yes, something. Yes, I would start with my voluntary. But I'm telling you, know. Nicole, I go by there every time. I'm always floating around there. And I think, of course, that I don't have my puppies anymore, but I always go by and I smile because I think of how wonderful the care was. Mm -hmm. And both of my puppies had to be put to sleep there. And you just can't, you can't ever, I don't know how anybody, you go by and you just feel it. Mm Kind of like, like it oozes out. I think you need to stop every so often and just come in and cuddle with a puppy or something. Mm -hmm. You don't have to take one home. Sometimes mm-hmm. we have those, but you could always come in and just give one a hug. <laughs> so I remember the last time I was in there to see the kitty cat. Mm-hmm. All the dogs were, you know, hanging out, waiting after whatever was ha- going on with them. And they're just like, like hanging out like, hey, I'm, ex- I'm just enjoying myself, looking around. <laughs> and, you know, it was so cute because they were just like waiting patiently. It's actually remarkable to me. I'll often be in the hospital and I think how quiet the hospital is. When you go into the average like primary care veterinary facility, it's very, very noisy. Yes. Our hospital typically is actually Mm -hmm. quite quiet and it's not because everything's anesthetized, but it just, I think it's because there's so many people around, you know, each patient has so many dedicated nurses or a, you know, doctor working with them or something like that. And I think that they're just so comfortable. I'm I'm not going to say everybody's so happy because obviously there's medical and surgical things going on, but, um, it, it is actually something that makes me sort of have some solace and smile when I when I just think that, you know, they're comfy and they're just relaxed. And they do. They watch they watch us. It's like, I'm sure we're the fishbowl for them. Mm-hmm. So. But what I love is how everybody knows everything. Like when I was oh, looking yeah. at that kitty cat and I walked in, they all knew everyone, like jumped up and knew what I was there for and mm-hmm. they knew the cat and that's that this isn't a this isn't a sick cat this was a cat who was came to you because he was a feral cat and you nursed him back didn't need a lot but you, he did what he had to do you did what you had to do to get him to the healthy state he was when he left and and they know just about that cat as they do all the patients dogs and cats and everything else that walk through the door absolutely mm-hmm. they're just yeah. as concerned about that which I think is wonderful and they're like you're gonna fall in love with them blah 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 I'm thinking like oh God and he's still on my phone. He's so cute. How's he doing? Good. He he did find a home. Yes. And so he's what's doing his great. name? Do you know what they named him? I don't. Him? Okay. I don't know. Mm-mm. All right. No. Well, that's okay. But he was so cute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Lynn's two pussy cats that she has from there, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Crazy man. But what? They're crazy man. They are, but they, I, they're nuts. I love them. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the funniest part of it is to watch the two of them interact with each other. Because what you would think would be they're fighting, they're not. It's playing, yeah. It's playing. And if one, this is the part I love, if one of them gets into one of the rooms where I close the door, the other will stand as a sentinel outside. <sighs> Nothing, no noise, no crying, that just sits there and looks at me and waits until I open the door to let the other oh, one out. See? It's amazing. Animal behavior is amazing. Well, in cats, too, people think that they're individual, primary like animals. They're supposed to be off on their own, but cats are actually, and this is studied from watching like tigers or lions or other cats out in the wilderness, that they're actually a very social animal. And so I know many of us, I grew up with a cat, not cats. But then when you start to have, like Lynn's describing, a couple of cats in the household together, the dynamics <laughs> completely change. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fun to watch. And they sort of, I mean, do you agree? They take care of one another. Oh, it's absolutely. It's probably less work they for do. you. They do. Yeah. yeah. Now, they're not of the same litter, right? Those two Oh, they're cats. completely they're different cats. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I think the thing that's funny about it is to watch how they create that pecking order. 
between oh, yeah. the two of them. Mm-hmm. That one is a, the alpha, and the other is a very, you know, literally, physically, rolls over on his back mm-hmm. for the other one to start the fighting and mm-hmm. nonsense. They used to have it so that the the alpha cat would come in and eat from the bowl first, and when he left, the other one would come in and finish. Now I don't know what happened. Got they a shot of it testosterone up. or something, but the two of them now run in together. And eat it. And the, the one cat that was the, the alpha cat grabs whatever he can with his paw and pushes it out of the bowl <gasps> and goes over and eats. And then the other one eats out of the bowl. Yes. Oh, my God. Wow. Well, it's just so funny to see how they've accommodated each other. What it's happens, because you said they're two different cats. Yes. What if you have two, Nicole, you have two different types of cats and they mate and have babies. Can one look like just the plain, like say the father who's entirely different and sure. they, so it, so with theoretically then those cats could have been brothers if they just were had they were one maybe okay with 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 lynn's two cats that would be a bit of a stretch because they do look so very very different ones fur yeah so they wouldn't be that different not quite that different but there's and and you get into a whole bunch of things about um reproduction in cats and the genetics within cats as a species themselves but cats can actually um it's kind of a hard way to describe it, but female cats can actually take on different male cats' genetics. Yeah. So that when she has a litter of cats, it could be multiple oh fathers. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Wow. And and the, the genetics in a cat, you could have a female cat that's like pure white with green eyes, and she has some tortoise females and an orange male, and you kind of go, well, where did all that come from? But it's just yeah, the way that neat. they're complicated. And do you find that more people are, ha- are getting rabbits as pets? Rabbits used to be, as of about probably 15 years ago, the most common pet in Europe. They're uh, actually, excuse me, that used to be ferrets. It's now rabbits. In America, it's not quite as common. Um, but if you, this is crazy, but if you go to YouTube and watch videos from Europe, they actually have agility with rabbits. You'll see people take their pet rabbits to like an indoor arena and they set up little jumps, like <laughs> like an agility course for dogs, yeah, yeah. but they actually have it for their rabbits. And it's, you sort of watch this thinking, this is not real. This has got to be fake. It is absolutely real. So they're very popular in Europe. They're not as popular in the States, but I have lots of friends who have rabbits. And do they, how long do they live? Are they, it they just depends big- on the breed so just like anything else the larger breeds tend to live less life than the smaller breeds and believe it or not i have a good friend who's had multiple rabbits and her last rabbit she was at griffin pond animal shelter if you're interested in adopting a rabbit there are rabbits there that need homes and that's a great place to get one yeah because i saw one which i think is the cutest it's called a lion head rabbit yes Yep. Oh, they're adorable. Yeah. They got this. You and your you know, fluffy. I know. Yeah, you got this thing, thing with fluffy. Fluff. Fluffy it's, and puffy. And I know it. And fluffer jackets. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. But they actually, they make good pets. They're actually very smart. They're trainable. They they can be very affectionate. Some of them can, unfortunately, not be affectionate. But when you get one that is affectionate, they're actually like little dogs. They'll pursue you. They'll yeah, want I love and attention. Mm-hmm. Are we moving now towards no, rabbits? No, 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 no. But I just oh, okay. think they're so, I just think. But as a veterinarian, I will say, before you get the rabbit, find the veterinarian. So that the word of wise of it, is yeah. make sure you know where you're going to go. And it's somebody that is very well versed in um, that you know type of animal and the different breeds and there's a lot of things that you know people think that they know about rabbits and that you read online there's a lot of misinformation the number one thing that gets rabbits into trouble is husbandry so how they eat what they eat when they eat is 
90% of their health. And so make sure that you find a good veterinarian that is really well-versed and confident and says to you, absolutely, I know what I'm doing with rabbits before you get one. Because okay. if you don't have good health care and you just try and wing it on your own, despite how clever you might be and how much you can read, there's a lot of misinformation about rabbits out there. Because they're not Bugs Bunny. They're not Bugs Bunny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not a small <laughs> cat. Eating the, uh, you know, the carrot. And right, the, exactly. Do they really like carrots, though? They do. Okay, yeah, so fresh vegetables are very good. And lettuce and stuff like that. Well, believe it or not, though, lettuce is not that great for them. It's <gasps> high in water content, and it's not necessarily something that's very nutritionally supported. So there's certain, there's types of hays, but you have to feed a very specific type of hay. And if you talk to, and I'm not one of these, these you know, I'm a surgeon, and I'll do, certainly do surgery on exotics, including rabbits. But for example, rabbit pellets, which is sold in every single commercial pet store, is actually not great for rabbits. But yet, I can tell you when I was a kid, we had rabbits and that's what I fed my rabbits. But, you know, fast forward now, I know. Correct. So there's one example of a tidbit where there's probably people out there listening going, I'm feeding my rabbits pellets. Um, So, yeah. The healthcare is mainly the husbandry and the feeding. Because one thing I have not seen yet is someone walking a rabbit on a leash. Well, go, to, go to Europe. I know. Time. Yeah. I know. That's when I have to go to Europe. There yeah. you go. So what else is happening up there at VREC? Uh, not too much. We um, are in the planning stages, but only the planning stages about... Um, uh, a potential expansion so there's some things that we have to work for but that's that will come in time it's in the works um, and with that expansion we just um, decided and it's a long story so once we get closer and I feel confident about announcing it I will do so but we're definitely going to be adding on a rehab facility so that means underwater treadmill uh, a um a swimming pool that's used for therapy and then obviously all the things that we need to do rehab after injuries especially for orthopedics and neurologic injuries um, there are some facilities that do part-time or limited amount of rehab but the community has had this outcry for years about doing rehab and we don't really have neither the rehabilitationist mm-hmm. nor the absolutely appropriate facility so that's going to be part of what we're going to move forward so that's pretty exciting now would someone who is a rehabilitationist would they be trained in schools obviously that have veterinary science or you get a degree in in veteran you are you what is it called veterinary when you become a veterinarian if they have a uh, uh, either school is that where they would do it in conjunction are they or is that like a physical therapy kind of thing so by law we can't say physical therapy that's a human medicine term even though it's the same thing so we have to say physical rehabilitation okay Um, you can either be a veterinarian or you can be a licensed veterinary technician uh, but you have to go and take the training courses which takes about about a year then go through a certification um, exam and then once that occurs you can then apply physical rehab if you're a technician you have to do it under the direct supervision of a veterinarian if you're a veterinarian and you're also licensed in doing that you can just go ahead and apply it that's neat Mm mm-hmm Wow. That's exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. Yeah. And we obviously do it internally in the hospital now for our patients, but it's not the same as we can offer once this is something that comes along. So, Again, here we grow again. Trying. Definitely yeah, trying. There's so many more things that we, we um, have an oncologist coming to interview, and we're working towards replacing the neurologist. Um, we obviously are still doing medical and surgical neurology. We always have, and we still have the MRI. Um, but there's, you know, expansion for other departments. Someday it will be wonderful to have an ophthalmologist and a dermatologist. So those are kind of the last pieces of the puzzle, but wow. we're getting there. That's so great. Mm-hmm. Certainly Especially haven't stopped for looking forward. Like, um, 
Phoebe with their Cocker Spaniel eyes. I know. All right. Well, Nicole, thank you very much for Absolutely. joining us. Thanks uh, for having Denova, me. Nicole Denova, Dr. Nicole Denova of VREC, Veterinary Referral and, Referral and Emergency Center, our guest expert today. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Lynn, have a great Oh, I forgot. We have one more because we tape. I forgot that. That's right. So we're going to be right back with another another one of our dear friends, Dr. Barb Plucknett. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Laurie and Lynn Show. Here's Laurie and Lynn. Good morning. We're back. My name is Lynn Evans. I'm the president and CEO of Northeastern Financial Consultants. We're a fee-only financial planning firm in Clark Summit. I'm also the author of a book called Power of the Purse, Fear-Free Finances for Baby Boomer Women, available on Amazon.com. On Amazon. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Laurie Cadden, the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business. And our guest expert this morning is Dr. Barbara Plucknett, who is the owner of Advanced Gynecology Associates in Scranton. And um, she's just all-around wonderful person because Laurie and I have to say we do this every time in full disclosure. Disclosure, yes. Disclosure. She is our gynecologist. So, ta-da. Welcome, we Dr. Could, Barbara. Oh, or, good wait, morning. Thank you. Or we could also say in, in, in full disclosure. How about that? Cute. You're cute. Very cute. That's there why she does what she does and I do what I do, right? <laughs> exactly. Oh, so, what are we going to talk about cute. today? Well, we're going to go off the beaten path a little bit. Um, I was recently at a conference, and I have lots of topics to talk about from this conference, but the one I've chosen that really made the hair stand on my skin was about GMOs, genetic engineering and genetically modified organisms. Um, there was a great lecture given um, about GMOs, and I thought it, it warranted some discussion just so everybody has an awareness of, of what's really happening um, out there. So genetic engineering of plants was originally done for benefits um, so that we had higher yields of crops, that we have improved resistance to disease. Um, they thought it would have less environmental impact, meaning the, the gases that erupt from the, you know, we talk about the greenhouse gases and things of that sort, that these foods would be better quality, better nutrition, um, and eventually they could produce vaccines from these types of plants. And so what they're doing is they're incorporating genetic material into our current food supply. Um, and this actually started back in 1994. But the four most common things that we see um, an effect on are corn, soybeans, cotton, and sugar. And so um, a statement was made that up to 70% of the packaged foods that you find in your grocery store contain genetic engineered corn, soy, canola oil, or sugar. And we don't, we don't know that, but that's, that's the fact. In 2015... There was a study done um, that 172 million of eight million acres um, are planted with genetically modified um, crops in the United States. Um, this is not the case in Europe. Europe has opted not to have such large um, numbers of crops. They only their GMO crops only account for about 12 percent of what they produce. So the problem is that the genetic engineering, the the changing of these crops. This was done so, you know, if we modify this plant, for instance, we can spray it with herbicides or pesticides so that the plant lives, but everything else around it dies. 
And so one of the things that has happened over the last many years is Monsanto, the largest producer of Roundup, which this is called glyphosate, um, they made their plants resistant to their herb, their pesticide so that they could sell more pesticide and spray more pesticide. Wow. So, but the problem is these plants aren't dumb. They are not silly. They, they change their genetic material. So now that they have resistance to uh, Roundup. We all know about Roundup. Roundup is so widely used across the United States. In 2014, 3,700 samples in 38 states had glyphosate or Roundup in most rivers, streams, and ditches. It was found in 93% of urine samples um, in this population of 131 people. So it's in, it's in everything about us. It's in our water. It's in our dirt. It's in our air. It's in, it's in us. We have it now in our bodies. And I, the part that really got my attention was that in 2015, the World Health Organization upped the classification of concern on this drug, on this, on this chemical, I should say, it is now a class 2A, which makes it probably carcinogenic to humans. The other interesting fact that I found about this is, you know, when they did this genetic engineering and genetic modification, um, they did it based on good faith, which means that they didn't study it to be sure that it was safe. There's, there were no human studies that documented its safety before they used it. Nice. So now it's out there. And, and so what's been happening of late is that there are many studies coming out that show pos possible cause of this chemical, this pesticide, to other disruptions in our bodies. And so um, one of the things that they're thinking is because when they, when they put this genetic material into a plant, it's actually a protein. And so they're finding that um, the, the one amino acid, which is a protein building block, can get into our systems and confuse our protein synthesis. And they're thinking that it leads to impaired fatty acid release, which leads to obesity, impaired insulin receptor response leading to diabetes, impaired carbon metabolism leading to neural tube defects and autism, and other things that could lead to cancer, lung disorders, and autoimmune diseases. I've seen several articles that it's related to this potential relationship to Parkinson's, which also has me very concerned. What about so, the hormones? Well, it's a neuro, it, it can change the modulation with your hormones, and there were some concerns. I didn't see anything documenting um, concern with infertility okay. because it did have an effect that way. So really, you know, this, what started off as being a beneficial effect and having better crops and, and better, you know, to feed the world because we were going to run out of food with a huge population uh, growth that we have has really turned about that we are now spraying everything we know because everybody sprays Roundup everywhere, um, mm -hmm. that we are now spraying something that's likely carcinogenic to humans. And so, you know, that, that to me is very concerning because when I talk to people, you know, people I go to Agway or I talk to people and I say, I don't want Roundup, I want an alternative. And they look at me like I have three heads. <laughs> yeah, and, because and, in their world, they think you do. That's right. Um, and the American Academy of Environmental Medicine has asked us, those of us, you know, in the world of education, to please encourage our patients and the public to avoid GMO whenever possible. So... You know, the easiest way, of course, is back to my world of organic. 
So organic mm-hmm. when possible in the event that it's corn. I don't recommend soy ever, but soy, um, the cotton is a little bit trickier. We don't actually eat that, so that's not of concern, but the sugar, so organic. Um, I also found it very interesting that they, they talked about the Rodale Institute, which, of course, you know is in Pennsylvania. That's the yeah. people that produce the Prevention Magazine. Yeah, Uh in Allentown. Yeah, it's just south Mm -hmm. of us. They've done some wonderful studies on organic farming, and they show, they've actually shown that it's better than conventional using GMOs and genetic engineering. They actually say that it's more profitable, that their their food is obviously more nutritious. They use fewer or no pesticides at all, and they have greater responses on the greenhouse gases and things of that sort. So, you know, they have come up with ways to do all the things that the genetic engineering has done without all of the bad side effects and the possible carcinogenic effect. And I was just so encouraged by that. We just need to move in that direction now is the problem. Well, the Rodales, who are the ones that own that farm, for three generations... Uh, it's now Maria Rodale, who is actually the president of the company. She's the granddaughter of the guy who created it. And when Rodale started doing this, he was just seen as one of the most bizarre creatures on the planet because yes. he was all organic. He was all about uh-huh. that at a time when people didn't even want to hear about it. They thought he was right. a Looney Tunes. Well, now Maria, third generation, has been, do- has been doing some incredible outreach about exactly what you're talking about and making this organic farming concept very, very profitable for Rodale. Right, right. It's wonderful. Yeah, the, um, the idea behind the organic farming is it's very simple. So they multi-crop in one field. And then they, mm-hmm. cro- they, ro- they rotate their crops so that, right. you know, they've learned the synergy between plants that will encourage the growth of both without and reducing the, the weeds. Um, and then they simply rotate their crops so that they, the soil stays <coughs> nutrient-rich because that's the other thing. You know, this, um, the um, Roundup is killing the nutritional status of our soil because it's now polluted with these, these bad toxins. So even mm-hmm. when the food isn't per se toxic the ground that it's growing in could be and that was the point about looking at all the different soil samples um you know 80 to 90 percent of soil samples have evidence of glyphosate in them Hmm. so what what was the outcome of this what are we what are we supposed to do if we want to eliminate the gmo situation from our food chain well you, you have to try to byproducts that say no GMOs. And, and unfortunately, that is in the organic world. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, there's a little symbol on there that, that is the no GMO symbol. So we have to look for that. Um, buying locally when possible, buying organic certainly when possible, um, and knowing that corn is almost always going to be a GMO, sugar is a GMO, um, soy, soybeans are a GMO. So you try to avoid those products at all costs. Uh, and then encourage people not to spray. Um, you know, you can only do so much. It's in the air. It's in the ground. But you can do your own part um, as far as asking people not to use that when, you know, gardening and landscaping and, you know, whoever's helping you out. Don't buy it. Don't spray it. That's the only way that we're going to decrease the amount of use in our environment. Barb, can almost oh. everything be purchased that's organic now, though? Um Yes and no. It, it depends on, you know, some places have more varieties and more um, produce and things than others. Um, you know, you just have to, and if you don't, if you can't buy organic, then you have to make sure you're washing things because I think people have gotten away from washing their uh-huh. fruits and produces because, um, you know, you buy it at a good grocery store and you think it should be quality food, but you really do have to try to wash the residues off. Um, 
you can get the veggie, uh, veggie and fruit washes and things of that sort. Some people use vinegar and water, um, but you do need to be make, to be mindful that you're you're cutting down on as much pesticide use as possible. I would prefer organic everything if I could, but obviously not every store carries everything that you need right. in the organic world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And the other thing too, I wanted to throw in here. A lot of times when you get uh, the, the emphasis has been on locally grown products. So when we go to farmers markets and buy things, how do we know that they are not using yeah, you uh, don't pesticides? Have to ask. And I, I went to a local farm um, during fruit berry season, mm-hmm. and I asked them um, if their their strawberries were organic, and I um, I was laughed at. Really? So you know, and they're <laughs> it, they because. It's it's more costly to to produce these things, but then they can they can actually increase their their costs to make it up. I think is what Rodale's trying to say that it's not it's not really cost you know cost prohibitive in the end. Um, but we, you just have to ask. I, I ask everywhere I go. Do you is your is your fish wild? Is you are these organic? Um, you know you go to places that are is the meat grass fed? You have to ask, and then you have to hope that they're truthful if they don't have it printed on you know paper. But you can only do your best. Uh, and, you yeah. know, try to reduce that carbon footprint, you know, the, what's in your system as much as possible. Um, and then hopefully other people will jump on board and maybe this, you know, new, this bump up in the rating will get people's attention. And that is the reason why everything is so much more money when you buy organic. Is that that's what that is because it costs a little more. And what you're saying is they're trying to make this more commonplace. Here. Right. Seeds would not be there. We'd be buying the same thing because it is much more expensive. It is. It definitely it is. is. Yeah. Um, but you know, in the in the end, if you can prevent disease, you will save oh, yourself yeah, no, that no, money. Yeah, but, yeah. That's, okay, that's well, how I look at it. So, Barbara, how can people get a hold of you? So, we are located across from Regional Hospital in Scranton. Our phone number is 570-344-9997. We are also online at drbarbaraplucknett, P-L-U-C-K-N-E-T-T dot com. Okay. Thank you very much, Barbara. Lynn, have a good weekend, everyone. Enjoy. um, We will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Be safe and be nice. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.